24, 8, 15, 16, 23, 42. Garrett, do you know what that is? Uh, it's not trying That sounds like a no to me. <laughs> because what do a series of random numbers, a polar bear, and a giant moving cloud of smoke have in common? Garrett, do you know? I'm lost. They're all bad plot devices. That's right. <laughs> bad plot devices inside the wonderful series Lost. Hello, everyone. My name is Thomas Schengerberg. I'm one of the uh, creators and uh, general upkeepers of Rough Draft Games. And uh, with me here, as always, is another one of the creators and all the other things I just said. I'm Garrett Lively. Um, I have found a way to successfully commit suicide in this board game. So It's true. It's it's written in the rules, so it's approved. And also with us is... Jeff Lee, I don't travel anywhere via plane. Just don't do it, because it could just... The, the centrifuge. Is that, where you're, is that where you're stuck in the airport a couple episodes back? Yeah. In that Orange Julius? Yeah. I asked him if they had any cars for rent, so... Wouldn't get, wouldn't get on the plane? Well, he's working up the courage to do it. Man. I had to check the maps. If I'm flying over the Bermuda Triangle, no, sir. <laughs> Was that where they were in the show? It, 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 anyways... Today we're going to be looking at the Lost board game. So this this game is just like all the other all the other shows that we do here on Roll and Move. It is a uh, it's going to be a pretty questionable board game, but bear with us. That's half the fun of looking at it. But it, it, before we can really dig into what makes this board game work and what makes it not work, we I, I got to ask: Has anyone here actually watched Lost? It was a huge thing, and I totally missed out on it when it was on. <laughs> uh, funny story. My ex-roommate, who I've talked about a few times on this podcast, uh, Shaheen, mm-hmm. he was a huge fan of Lost. And when we initially started out as roommates, uh, the season, uh, the series finale was coming on. So the only episode I've ever seen is the series finale. <laughs> <laughs> so you just <laughs> ruined it for yourself. <laughs> Were you, were you that person who comes in and you're just like, I'll just hop in and watch a show, and people were like, No, we got to start from the beginning. And and you're like, like no, no, I'm fine. No, no, I'm fine. I'll just I'll just read the last page, and I'm sure I'll get the gist yeah. of it. Yeah. Were you asking questions throughout the entire episode? Yeah. Just oh my god, it's perfect. <laughs> just you're ruining years it. of like prep for him. How many seasons was lost on? Like eight or something? I only saw one episode. I don't know. Now why is this guy running around <laughs> kissing her when clearly he's attracted to the other lady? On the I, other side of the aisle. I thought this guy was dead. You just told me he was dead. <laughs> so I never watched Lost, but I'll admit, like, I have this problem where um, I just, I can't commit to TV shows because it's, for some reason, it's a big commitment to me. There's only a few mm-hmm. shows in my life that I've fully committed to. Game of Thrones is one of them. Mm-hmm. But with Lost, um, I was always kind of curious. So I, I went back and read the wikis. And <laughs> spoiler alert, what got me to, I, I never understood this. So was, I guess there's a season where they get off the island and then they come back. And I'm like, mm-hmm what like why it's there's it's really weird my friend steven walker he's a really good friend of mine huge lost fan back when we were in college he watched every episode he tried to get me into it he tried his hardest and i i I couldn't do it because just like you said jeff there's like 24 episodes in every season Mm -hmm. yeah right that's insane and each one's an hour long and like it's so confusing because they have flash forwards flashbacks and then flash sidewayses because they go into like alternate dimensions. There's like entire seasons <laughs> where they dedicate themselves to exploring what would have happened to the characters in a different timeline. Yeah. It's this thing is more confusing than I think the DC universe. <laughs> for oh, and that is that is saying something. But what about the X Men timeline? Oh my god. Days what was that? Days of Future Past? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That's god. Weird. I can't. Once you start getting into like different timelines, 
kind of throw me for a loop. But luckily, most of that was not in the actual 24 board game. Lost board game, yeah. But 24 also did have 24 one-hour episodes every season. So yeah, I can see that. Yeah. I can see why you had the computer. And the board game did throw me for a loop. It was a little confusing. <laughs> There's probably a couple alternate universes in that one, too. One where we enjoyed it. So who who's responsible for this game? You want to remind our viewers who Cardinal is? Cardinal Games are dear friends that uh, just basically are the reskinners. I believe we labeled them back in episode one. Yep. They also produced our Twilight Saga New Moon board game uh, mm-hmm. with a bunch of stills. They seem to just take stills from the show or movie they're working with, plaster them on mm-hmm. the board, and they're you know they're they're good to go. They got a board game. Yeah, uh, yeah. But they they did hire uh, a, a decent designer here keith Traylands, which i believe jeff's done a little research into yeah so keith Traylands, he did do um the walking dead board game which i believe had some um pretty positive reviews um but of course was also involved in new moon the board game uh the, the mm-hmm. twilight saga new moon board game as well as this game which has lost the game so um a couple hits couple misses if you look at his career you co- it sort of starts out and like with uh, some of his earlier games like this one that are a little bit lower rated on board game geek and then by the time that he gets to the walking dead board game uh, you know, he's pulling in like, you know, a six rating or, you know, maybe a yeah. 6.5 rating on board game geek. So you can kind of see like he gets better as he goes on. But as, as we sort of said, this is towards the beginning of his career. So this one is, uh, there's a couple problems here, despite mm-hmm. the, uh, the new art assets that they have for the game. Looking into his most popular games on board game geek, this was actually his second most popular behind the walking dead board game, uh, of the mm-hmm. ones that he designed. Uh, the walking dead board game has 980 uh, ratings on it with right. uh, 2,123 people saying they own it. The mm-hmm. The Lost Board game has 270 ratings with 720 people saying they own it. None mm-hmm. of his other games have over 34 ratings. Oh, sorry, yeah. four, okay. 42 ratings. So That's the kind other of the ones were... of the times too, I think. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think in 2006, we weren't really, we're obviously not in the same board game renaissance as we are now. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it also speaks to kind of the audience. I think your your average Lost fan is more likely to pay, play a board game like this as opposed to your average Twilight fan. But maybe that's just projecting yeah, a little bit. Yeah, that's fair. And then I would say like yeah. kind of the marriage of the two, you have a fanatical fan base like walking dead paired with the board game renaissance that was you know mm-hmm. the you know past 10 years or so mm-hmm. um yeah. and it's just it, it was perfect weather for for something like that to happen where um the game comes out it's moderately good and you know pretty successful on board game Geek. and it doesn't surprise me too that this would be a second best rated board game because or not rated but it's second most popular board game because of the we say that you know the fans of walking dead are really they're consumers of a lot of media you know zombie culture really draws a lot of nerds to the to the you know to the forefront of whatever you're uh, whatever media you're publishing whether it be a board game or a movie and there's a lot of overlap in those activities i think the same might be said for fanatical lost fans because my friend Stephen <laughs> walker would like these were these are people who would schedule out time out of their week to watch the show on abc Mm-hmm. So they're probably pretty open to at least trying out the new media, which might explain why this board game is probably one of the second most uh, popular. How ones. many people do you think got tattoos of those num like the lost numbers? Oh jeez, <laughs> and thought it was like really cool that they're super fans. I think a uh, quick Google search would probably show us that there's uh, too many. Is the number? <laughs> <laughs> if there's one, if there's one result, then probably a little too many. Probably too much. Uh, Garrett, so you're the one who was in charge of getting this board game. Thank you for taking on the brunt of the uh, the action here. Oh, so God. go ahead and let's do the sound drop that we do not have of Brad Pitt asking vehemently. 
What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? So, like our Twilight game, this comes in a nice tin. I'm gonna give you some nice sound Ooh. effects here. Just a little wobble. You feel that? Why don't you take yeah. that lid off and give me a little wobble? Oh, yeah. oh, I know. I know what you want. This is the second Cardinal game that came in the tin, right? Oh yes. Yeah. Oh my oh, God! Yes, if I was in a elementary school play, uh, that would be my thunder sound. Effect. You guys can't see this, but like, shaking that dog, on the... sir, is like really excited because he's like wobbling the tin, which is hilarious. <laughs> Thinks I got some dog cookies. He's baking something right Ooh, there. Danish cookies in here. <laughs> you open it up. It's got three different rule booklets, which I immediately am displeased by. Uh, <laughs> these are in maybe like a six uh, font, six size font. Like it's just really? tiny. Uh, What's the typography? What are we talking? Arial times New Roman. Yeah, Arial. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's still it's ahead of his time. Yeah. <laughs> 2006, ahead <laughs> of his time, right, Ariel? Mm-hmm. No, Sans Serif, there's Sans a lot Sarah, of freedom yeah. there. So you open it up, and this is one of the cardinal sins, and, and not exclusive oh, to cardinal. Cardinal sins. Yeah, I got it. One That's of the cardinal good. sins of uh, board game makers is they make different rule books with different rules locating located in like only one rule book or or and not all of them, right? Oh, so geez. you open it up, you got lost the board game beginner rules. Then you've got Lost the Board Game Advanced Rules, which goes over basically all the beginner rules, but a little bit more in detail. But they also leave a few things out. You have to like go back and reference the uh, beginner rules, which I, I jump straight into the advanced rules because you know we're obviously professionals here on this podcast. Of and then your nice cheat sheet and your summary of all those rules. So that's like so, four different rule sections that does not have all the information needed exactly, to play the game under exactly. each one. So you have to Ugh. hunt... You have to hunt through the rules, and in fact, through various parts of all the rule books. Uh, let me find this here. It'll mention something that they're going to explain later. For example, the uh, power checks, and mm-hmm. it'll say, "We'll talk about that soon." And then it, you'll look down <laughs> later. <laughs> nice little fourth wall breaking. Yeah, just a little parentheses. We'll talk about that soon. Uh, wink, wink, so, winky smiley face. Uh-huh. Yeah, so Colin that's that's just littered throughout here, where you're having to like. Read these rules. Go through. Find another section of the rule book. Read that section of the rule book. Go back to the part you're reading to begin with, and then go check the beginner rule book to make sure you understand how the basics of that work. Mm-hmm. So very convoluted rules that uh, fortunately you guys didn't have to deal with. I, I went ahead and learned this game and gave you guys the TLDR and just kind of explained the real hero of the show. Take it. Mm-hmm. What was Garrett. your estimated time learning these rules, Garrett? I'm just curious. Uh, it took. I, I was. I was probably on my. I was probably setting this up and doing a little research for about an hour. Uh, what actually led me... Uh, so at the beginning of this game, I sent Jeff and Thomas a bunch of links. Uh, this is probably one of the easier games we've played over over the internet, right? Yeah. Just because of yeah. because of the resources we had. Uh, in the rules, they let you go to... Or they give you a link to lostboardgame.com, which is now defunct. But using the Wayback Machine Internet Archive, I was able to pull up this in- website... Circa 2006, right? <laughs> Way back. <laughs> and they have every card listed. They have some resources you can use to, to plot out your characters, to keep track of what equipment you have, what cards you have. So that was, that was kind of nice, actually. And yeah. then I could just kind of point the camera down to the board that you have to construct, mm-hmm. uh, and we can just keep track of that. So anyways, getting back to what's in the box, you open it up. You have a bunch of... Hobbit size cards. I'd say these are Hobbit sized cards. Right. These are these are smaller than my thumb as far as like lengthwise. And then they're just barely probably one point five size the time the size of my thumb width. 
wise. Yeah. And then they have these huge character cards, which are larger than your standard American playing card. And then they have a bunch of hexagons, which you use to construct the board into a five by five grid. So it's a um, tile exploration game is what mm-hmm. you're going to be going For those of you that will ever consider uh, manufacturing a game like we've started to delve into, um, having various card sizes is really annoying. <laughs> so <laughs> it's like not only that, it's not like they did this out of convenience. Uh, right. they, they specifically chose to make different mm-hmm. card sizes, which made it a burden on them as well as the player. So, mm. And then, so anyways, there are, I don't know. A hundred of these hexagons, and you use 25 to set up the board. And so I'm just going to kind of give everybody some sound effects at home. Here's oh, all that. That ain't tiles. no post drop. That is no. all real. Which is really frustrating because I'd say 75% of the, the tiles, when you flip them over, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of like a fog of war to start off with or, or, or an exploration game where you move on to a hidden tile and then you flip it over and you follow the instructions. 75% of them or more all say draw a fake card. So I, I don't understand why they have this variety of... I, 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 they could have simplified their percentages and cut down on their production. Yeah. yeah. It, I mean, it, they, they're probably... The first thought that they had when they were designing this is that they're going to increase the variation. Yeah, replayability. Of, uh, and... Like replayability. Yeah, that there's all these different board games that you have. No two games are the same. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if, if you... It, so is it does it instruct you when you're setting up the game, Garrett, to select 25 of the tiles at random? Uh, you basically do it, uh, yeah, you do it You do it at random, and you place them face down, and it just tells you the size of your grid, depending on how many players you have. That could go wrong, right? You could get yeah. 25 draw fate cards. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, is that everything that's in the box, Garrett? Uh, there's a couple of dice, but yeah, for the most part, that's 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 what's in the box. I, I will say, so... Uh, no player pieces? Yes, oh, g- good point. Let me let me come back to that in just one second, but, mm-hmm. but back on the tiles. Uh, in, the, in the instructions, it says, for eight or more players... You're looking at it about a three-hour game, and you're going to do an eight by eight island grid. So, so the three of us played on a five by five island grid. If you have eight or more players, you're working on an eight by eight, which is hilarious. Uh, Yes, there are supposed to be little player pieces for each individual character, which my game did not come with, which is weird because everything in my game was shrink wrapped. So Mm -hmm. I had uh, I went and borrowed a couple pieces from my Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle game, my Scythe game, and my. Uh, dinosaur Island game. I had a Tyrannosaurus Rex up there as well. You know, maybe they they were collectible pieces, Garrett, just like the Small Soldiers game, and someone yeah, got some it. Super fan doesn't want to play the game, but just wants those character pieces. What, yeah. what, what's funny is I looked on Board Game Geek. I don't know why anybody would want these. It's basically what we saw in Lord of the Rings. It's a it's a little plastic piece, and you just clip in a piece of paper. You know, that's essentially just printed off your desktop computer with mm-hmm. the. A picture of the person that's representing. So, Fandom see, I know exactly no what they did. Oh yeah, <laughs> they, they, no they took bounds. those things, they put them in the stands, they put them all along the top of their computer monitor, so that they could just be they like, light oh, a couple look, candles, my... <laughs> light a couple a candles, shrine in the corner, <laughs> just A. Arnold style. Yeah, exactly, you know? some chewing gum and the stars. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we have uh, no no standees. We got hexagon cards that are incredibly hard to shuffle. But let's go into the... Uh, let's look at the rules. Yeah, let's talk let's about the rules. rules. Let's talk about the gameplay here. So I mentioned how incredibly frustrating the rule set was, and it, it's actually a fairly simple game. Basically, on your turn, you're going to... You have to move all of your characters if possible, and you can mm-hmm. only move them one space. Mm-hmm. So you're going to move into a hex. If it's face down, you flip it up, and you follow the instructions. And, and, and then if it's face up, you can either choose to follow the instructions or interact with the character that's already on that tile. Basically, you go around the board, do all this, 
pick up some cards. Um, mm-hmm. And then the point of the game, to win the game, you have to either... There's three win conditions in the rules. One Three is, general win conditions. Three general... There's yeah, more, that, there's that's more, a, well yeah. put. Well put. Yeah. There are three general uh, win conditions. One is that there are no play, there are no characters left on the board that are not under your control. You kill in other everybody. words, in, in other words, you've killed everybody, everybody yeah. or you've taken control of all the characters. Uh, the second rule, second win condition, is the first player to fulfill their starting character's win condition. So all of the characters that you draw have, or not all of them, but many of them have uh, very specific win conditions. Yeah. Uh, some of them were charm. Uh, character from every other player or something like that. That was Shannon's in the that show. She's she's kind of you know floozing around with a couple of the guys. So <laughs> they tried to like make it make the win conditions unique to the sure. characters in thematic, the show. Yeah. Some uh, so elements there. And the and the third and final winning condition, my personal favorite, is if an agreement is reached among any remaining players to share the win under any conditions that they agree upon. That is. The end of that sentence. That is the end of that win condition, which is very vague. And so, to, I know what all of our audience members are thinking. Yes, you could. Five seconds after starting the game, look at each other and go, "You want to split you the win? To split the win? Yeah." And it would be that's in the rules. You can do that. So, so you can all win. immediately. As children, we did it all the time. As children, we're like, <laughs> ah, you know, how about we just share this one? Hey, we all win, right? Yeah, Let's we, all, we all agree to disagree. Um, I, I do want to say one thing about the, uh, the second win condition, which is the unique character, uh, win condition. Sure. Uh, you can only win if that's your starting character, right? You can only activate that character's win condition because during the game, as you're flipping over tiles, there's a number of things that can occur. One mm-hmm. of those things that can occur is that you encounter a random character, right? And you can recruit yeah. them if you're able to sort of beat them in combat. But if you recruited, say, a character like Shannon, who mm-hmm. has a unique win condition, uh, where you have to charm every active player every every active character in the game if you're managed to do that then you can uh then you can win that win condition is only in effect if she was your starting character so you don't get mm-hmm. to add win conditions as you recruit them good point good point mm-hmm. those are all the basic rules uh and then the one mechanic there is in the game is basically power checks which you're going to do for pretty much anything and you just take whichever characters are involved in said power check they have a certain starting power. You add any items you may want to play, and then you roll a die. And yeah. you compare that to either the NPC or the other the fighter yeah. you're playing against. It's um, standard boons and Standard and battle mechanic. Yeah, dice yeah. rolling battle mechanic. Mm-hmm. And if you, there, there's, if you do that to another player, you can choose to try and take control of that character, in which case you take that character from the other player and you get to, you get to treat them as your own character. So let's talk a little bit about what happens when you flip a tile in the game. So it's exploration. There's basically mm-hmm. there's a very small list of things that can happen. The first of which we already talked about. Hey, you discover a new character that was under that tile, and you can sort of do a little battle mechanic, roll the dice, and uh, try and recruit them, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you do a power matchup thing. Mm-hmm. The other thing that can happen is you draw a fate card, which we also mentioned earlier. Uh, and that fate card can be a number of things. So those are really the only two things that can happen. And then mm-hmm. once you hit draw a fate card, the fate card is actually one of many different types of cards. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it can be an equipment card, which has a very specific uh, instructions for your character. It can increase their power by one. You can modify, or, yeah, or something. Yeah. Yeah. You can steal, or you can do different things. You get different mm-hmm. powers. Yeah. 
it can be, so it can be an equipment card that helps you that way, or you know, it can hurt your opponents, or it could be an event card. And an event card can actually summon. It can it can be a power check essentially on your characters. Where I think Garrett, you had one where you encountered mosquitoes, right? Mm-hmm. Where actually, to to clarify, there's an event card which goes into your hand, and you can play whenever you want. Kind of like kind an equipment a, or like an action. Shot. Yeah. Oh, I yeah, see. it's kind of like a one shot. And then there's encounter cards, which you're referring to, which are usually Bad. power checks <laughs> where you can either win and possibly get a reward or lose and possibly get a uh, suffer an injury. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Which is another thing that we should mention is that with uh, the injuries in this game. So if your character is injured, you have to make it to a campsite, which is a location that you can uncover on a tile and mm-hmm. you have to heal there, <laughs> which mm-hmm. was really funny because at the beginning of the game, Garrett's first move. He only had one <laughs> character, right? He had right. who was it? It was it. I had, I had, so I had Saeed. Mm-hmm. He has a power of five. So basically, mm-hmm. you know, I, I have no items or anything. I move on to a space. So if I have a power check, the best I can roll is a six. So my my power mm-hmm. check would be eleven. I roll on a large polar bear who has a power check of fifteen. <laughs> so I, I, <laughs> if you lose, you have to injure a character that participated. Yeah, and so immediately Saeed starts off the game injured, and I am one move away from losing the game on my first yeah, play, on my first dead. play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so we're just we're rooting for that to happen as quickly as possible. But uh, poor Garrett, like luck of the draw, <laughs> limps on away, that one. gets a card mm-hmm. that heals him, and then I think I think yeah. you you know ended up staying in the game. I, for I, I made, I made, made it to a campsite. campsite. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So it's really <laughs> so there's a lot of luck in this game. So to say, like if you get a, like you could wind yeah. up being like Garrett, you could have been eliminated in two turns immediately at no sure, fault. Sure, yeah, I think I think that's a flaw. Not so much the luck. I mean, I think that's pretty common in a, in a four. This a is tile exploration. This isn't a four X game, but it mm-hmm. you know it, right. it does have the maybe a three X. I guess it doesn't really have exploit, mm-hmm. uh, but it does have exterminate, expand, and explore. Yeah, um, and and usually when you're turning over tiles, it, there is some risk of something bad happening and something good happening. It's just normally on your first turn you're not at risk and losing the game well, i still think it's really funny that like you're drawing there's nothing saying that there's a, a set of starter tiles like you have to have x amount of campsites or anything and so mm-hmm, you could right. have had no campsites on this map and so we all would yeah. have ended the game really, <laughs> really quickly just getting injuries what i what i did notice is so basically the way you set up the grid is the perimeter of it has to be a shoreline and then the inside of it's called an inner island tile or something like that mm-hmm. uh but Mo- again most of all the tiles regardless of whether it be inner or shoreline yeah. are are draw fake cards so and the fake card is where you can en- encounter some of the trouble some of the more complicated ones like there was a tile where you couldn't uh, initiate power checks yeah so that some of the an, tiles an inner special island card. so it, it, yeah. it looks like some of the simpler ones were the shoreline but anyways mm-hmm. yeah so it just seems like they did some things right and some things wrong like some some they thought they thought a lot about <laughs> some of the mechanics and they were like okay um uh-huh. the you know the it was i think it was small campsite where you couldn't do a power check that was in the inner island and it, they like thought about that you know we obviously mm, right. wouldn't put it on a shoreline because it's you're, you're more likely to have an encounter in the middle cool mm-hmm. but then they also didn't think about okay well, what happens if we don't have any of these cards like it's, it's <laughs> they just i don't know they, yeah. they kind of picked and chose what they sort of prioritized and it didn't well, all come yeah, out and, and, and clearly they knew about the possibility of player elimination i mean the whole point is to be the last man standing but i right. think it's funny I, I don't think we mentioned the note that they leave in the rules is uh for, about players who leave the game uh, and i'm just going to read this real quick it says if another player is eliminated from the game either by losing control of all their characters or just quitting 
they place any fake cards in their hand into the discard pile. So they, they give you an out to just go ahead and say, I'm, nah, out. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. This I is enough loss for me. I feel like if you're having to write that into your rule book, you're you're kind of admitting <laughs> that something's that there's wrong. something's wrong, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. I think the thing that's wrong is that there's no sort of ideally in a game like this, you want to have like a slow progression of difficulty. And mm-hmm. the problem with laying down 25 random tiles or whatever it is, you have right. no say or control over the sort of building of the difficulty. Right. Yeah. And you can, get the, you can get the very hard skill check at the very beginning. And mm-hmm. on your next turn, you get another hard skill check and you're dead. Like imagine if you would release the monster straight out. Right. So uh, for those, so we haven't explained this yet, but in the game, one of the encounters that you can get on a fake card is quote unquote, the monster. And in the show, the monster, it is like one of the main antagonists, right? It's something that they're always, they're always wary of. They're always worried about. And it shows in the game because this is the only encounter that can actually follow you around the map. It can go from tile to tile and you roll for that. Mm -hmm. If it lands on you, it doesn't injure you. It kills you. So there is a chance that you could uncover this gigantic beast, early, which is yeah. supposed to be an in-game thing, early. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Does that mean and that then the, you'd per- be the person that's farthest away from the monster is most likely to win, or does the monster have to be eliminated? Um, that'd be really. The monster funny. does not have to be eliminated. If you want to activate John Locke's special win it, condition, it, he can defeat. I think the it can be eliminated, but it does not have. So, to like, if it was right. close to Garrett, kills Garrett, and close to me, it kills me. Then Thomas would just win by default because he's last. Exactly. Sure. That'd be great. <laughs> or or Jeff and I could have said, you know what? Let's just win together. Let's uh, let's make this win condition. If the monster kills Thomas, we automatically win, and we would have won. So, can you can yeah, you do that? Can, make, can, can you do that, that as far as Send like the rules to make that rule? Wow! Yeah, yeah. In technically, agree- you're right. It says an agreement is reached among any remi- remaining players to share the win under any conditions they agree upon. So it's the first time I've seen like house rules as an actual rule, like mm-hmm. <laughs> as an actual, they try to like, yeah, you, yeah you normally see variants or whatever, right? You don't, you don't necessarily just say, yeah, and put whatever house rule you want to, if you want to end the game a little quicker. Like with all rise, the game that we're developing, we encourage house rules, but at no point do we say that you can just quit halfway through. <laughs> which i think is when house quit rules mechanic. kind of break this, it i was saying during our um, during our playthrough that this is the first time i've ever seen a quit mechanic <laughs> so i guess <laughs> i'll give them kudos button. for that yeah it's i mean it's certainly it's interesting i'd say where this game gets points is in its first like 30 minutes of playing we were fortunate enough to garrett found a campsite he was able to keep going jeff and i were able to sort of explore the island and gather some unique equipment cards that gave some mm-hmm. interesting power-ups and uh we found some characters, but the, it was the first part of the game where it was more exploration and trying to figure out what everyone's plans were going to be in order to win mm-hmm. the game because yeah. it's not hidden win conditions, right? So when right. Jeff is like moving his piece towards me, I'm going, what are you doing? So I, <laughs> I, I, I look up his, ca- yeah, I look up his character and I'm like, Hey, you have a win condition that says if you're able to take over one character from each person who's playing the game, then you win. So and I'm like, I just need one, buddy. I, you know, yeah, yeah. I just need, and one. you're able to kind of figure out each other's motives mm-hmm. and like how you want to play with that, how you want to utilize that, and that can that sort of makes the beginning part of the game a little bit of fun. At least it was to me. Did you think it was fun, Gare? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think this is clearly inspired by a 4x game. I mm-hmm. think they had some really good ideas here. It's just the execution was very off. And a lot of things weren't thought through, or maybe it was rushed. And you know, I don't know who to blame for that, but 
a lot of things weren't thought through is is basically mm-hmm. you you are very easy it's very easy to run into situations where for example there's a mechanic where you always have to move your character at the beginning of a turn so if i keep moving in if, you know we had a situation at the end of the game where i was just moving my characters into thomas who had amassed this huge army and i was choosing not to fight him and then on his turn he had to move all of his characters out from where my character was so basically they didn't have a chance to attack him and then on my turn i just moved back into all of his characters so i could basically just you know move into this mob of people that want to kill me and pretend like they don't see me what jeff and and i I were doing is we were describe we were we're calling that certain situation that you're describing there it's in game and it's sort Mm -hmm. of like what can happen in chess if you have two people that are just kind of casual players Tell about, tell about the stalemate thing, Jeff. Yeah, it's just like in chess where um, you, you have two kings. They, they can't really move or checkmate anybody. and You're just moving around to try to find a place or a scenario where you can take out the other king. And everyone's moving around, trying not to get killed and trying to get the upper hand. And there's just so much space on the board that there's no mm-hmm. real way that you're going to do it without taking a million turns or eventually just somebody saying, you know, the game's over. And um, I think that's what actually happened with us. Like, Garrett didn't activate the quit mechanic, but... He knew that, like, we could have easily played that game probably for another 40 minutes before I was able to catch it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I want to make another note about, um, so we talked a little bit about, you know, the early game part. And, you know, part of the part of the bad and the good about um, tile reveals is that, and, and, you know, replayability game, games with high replayability is that you could get games that are very well balanced and very poorly balanced. And that's part of the fun, I think. Um, but mm-hmm. look at a game that is, you know, pretty well acclaimed like betrayal at house on the hill it still has Mm -hmm. some of the same problems um you could very early on uh reveal the haunt in that game and then um you know people could get screwed if that person has a lot of items so i mean Mm -hmm. that's part of i I would say that's part of the gameplay but i I think where they could have balanced the game they didn't um like like we're saying like too many fake cards for example no Mm -hmm. uh no starting tiles um that were designated to some area um, yeah, things like that just made the game a little clunky. So I think that at the core, they had some of the elements there okay. But yeah, execution-wise, they didn't think everything through. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I, they shouldn't have made this an eight-player game and included 64 Oh, my Good gosh. gosh. That would have... Oh, my God. Like, and Thomas and I talked about it, too. Like, the end game in this game, because of that, you know, sort of chasing mechanic, uh, that stalemate mm-hmm. mechanic, there's like... <laughs> there's... You just... I can see why it takes forever to play the game. And, you know, if you have eight players, like, good Lord, like, <laughs> how are you ever going to? Mm-hmm. It's just can hard you, to close you imagine, out. Can you guys do a little, you know, thought experiment with me? We have an eight player game. We're down to the last two players and each of you controls one character and mm-hmm. I'm clearly going to lose. So I'm just running away from you the entire game. <laughs> That'd be horrible. On an eight, on an eight by eight board. Good God. <laughs> like that's that's we can, the reason we, that it goes on. everybody can only move one space every turn yeah and like, the four people who have been eliminated are now in the kitchen uh eating warming up some totito's pizza roll <laughs> because they've side game yeah yeah because it's a like what this says player elimination which some people hate i don't necessarily hate it if as long as the game is short and quick this is not short this is quick. not short and quick and then the other thing too is that i i kind of don't like um I like it when there's variable moves, like um, different players can have different moves, uh, a different number mm-hmm. of moves. Like, And in this case, Gary was right. You can only move one unless you had a card modifier. There weren't that many card modifiers. So, yeah, it's like you move one turn, I move one turn. And if the and if the turn order is such that you, I can basically always avoid you, um, yeah. there's nothing you can do about it. And it's super frustrating. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Well, let's see what the uh, the Internet consensus is of, uh, of this game to see if people are kind of equally as frustrated with maybe the uh, the length of the game or the uh, have any comments about the game being played itself. 
Does anyone have anything notable to oh, share? Oh, yeah, I have one that I just love. It, it spells out exactly what I wanted to say. They said, after about 45 minutes of playing, somebody found a rule that covers what to do if a player quits. Most of us decided that meant that quitting was specifically allowed by the rules and immediately took advantage of that. <laughs> so they found the rule that they could quit. It was within the rule book, and they said, well, they said we can do it, so we're out. And they just quit the game. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. But that had to make the person who set up the game pretty mad. <laughs> They're just like, I spent, I spent ten I minutes setting game. up these tiles. You guys just quit. It's in the game, dude. I, I would have been a little upset if you guys just agreed to win at the beginning of the game. <laughs> that would have been a short podcast episode. I, I found one from Rogue Thirteen who gave this game a one. He says quite possibly the worst uh, real game. He put that in Scarecrow. It's not shoots and ladders. That I've ever played. The rules are completely unintelligible and the game is ridiculously unbalanced. There are a surprising amount of ways for players to lose in the first or second move of the game. Still, lovely components. So he liked the card size. I don't know. This guy's a... Lovely components? Uh, Man, I don't Mm -hmm. agree with that at all. I think the only thing I kind of liked was the tiles. Mm -hmm. Uh, Other than that, I don't think the components are that great. Agree to disagree. I have a review from Iron Cates who gave the game a two. Mm -hmm. They say... Game seems like it would be good from the rules read, but the fate cards and island tiles introduce an extreme amount of luck. One person I played with landed on the black rock on the second move, and no kidding, the tile says, flip a coin, if it's heads, you get three fate cards. If it's a tails, you die. (laughs) Whoa! (laughs) That's so funny. (laughs) Dude! Holy crap. So Even if you got those fate cards, they could be encounters. So you could still, I would not want that card. That's an awful, yeah. Uh, so he goes on. They go on to say, even if she got the fate cards, they would they could be awesome or extremely bad as well. Yeah, there one you of go. the other players controlled Jen, who had a victory condition that if no one else moved in the round that he did, he wins. Well, he won in three turns because two people got injured, which was really annoying. Lose a turn mechanic, and he drew a fate card that he used to trap the other player. So, so yeah, I mean that specifically goes into this game can either last about ten hours or it can last about fifteen minutes because there's a little bit of unluck or bad luck on the on the mm-hmm. beginning turns. I, I got another one here from uh, a total nut over on Board Game Geek who uh, gave it a two. And uh, he said he, he got it for $1 at a garage sale. He hadn't played it yet, but the rule book is horrible. But it looks like it might be moderately entertaining for a couple of days, exclamation mark. Then edit. <laughs> I tried, and I couldn't finish. <laughs> horrible. <laughs> Only get this game if you're a hardcore fan of the show. I think he didn't read the rules well enough because you can finish this game no matter what. You can win this game, even if you're about to lose this game, by just talking with the other players and getting them to uh, agree to the win condition. It's a war of attrition. How much is your time worth? My, me winning? I'll agree to win if you just leave. Walk away now. Or I can extend this another 10 hours. I got all night. I want to win. Okay, boys. So let's go ahead and uh, let's add our final thoughts onto this thing and uh, take yeah. us home. Who wants to go first? What are you, what are you giving us for a rating there? I'll go first. Um, I don't think you guys are going to be too mad at me after this episode, so I, I don't mind going first this time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there are some really good ideas here, and I think this designer just got a little bit lost in some of the executions. I think they definitely borrowed from the 4X genre of games. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I will give them kudos because they took a... Usually we see these intellectual properties and they put these very dumb down games into the box it's you know, very thematic where, i will say it's like yeah, they, 
Exa- yeah. Exactly. You want to you want to take control. You want to be the leader of everyone on the island. You want to explore, gather equipment. I mm-hmm. I assume is thematic. I don't know, but they, this is by far the most complicated game we've played here on the Rolling Dice podcast. And for Lost, which was a huge intellectual property, it was hugely popular. I think that was a big risk. So I do want to give them kudos for that. That being said, like we've completely covered here, there are a lot, a lot, a lot of holes in this game that just make this borderline not, not unplayable, but certainly it you know, it, like I said, it's a war of attrition. You're really grinding to get through the end. Um, so that being said, I'm gonna give it like a three and a half. That's fair. Thank you. Uh, I'll I'll go. I'll go next. <laughs> well, you're welcome. Uh, I'll go next. Uh, I think that I think I think this game was very ambitious. That being said, it also came out two years after Betrayal at House on the Hill. I believe is mm-hmm. the name of the game. Sure, so it came out two years after. I think it's clearly inspired by some of the tile exploration games that were oh, you yeah, know, first sure. published mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. And but I thought it was implemented well. You know, uh, I thought that especially the early half of the game was pretty fun. Uh, I liked, I played like every equipment card that I got. Each one seemed to at least have a purpose. And Mm -hmm. Jeff had some really good plays too uh, with like stealing each other's stuff. There was some good back and forth uh, strategy that was going on. And then, you know, chase, trying to chase Jeff down and eliminating a player was fun. But that's, that's about (laughs) the extent of it because the really the late game just gets so bogged down that it makes the game unfinished. And I, I feel like, technically it's just it's a really big out one thing that i hate when i'm reading a story or if i'm i'm writing or something like that is unearned ending or do sex machina where you just have sort of a a ending that comes out of nowhere and i feel like to agree on how the game should end with other players is admitting defeat in the game design itself i think the game probably had a deadline I think that they like uh, Keith Trallens was not able to work out all of the winning conditions and really work on the late game aspects of of the game. So I I think that shows. I'm pr- I'm going to give it a little bit higher than you, Gare. I'm going to give it a four point one. Because uh, <laughs> right. I, I, I I had fun. I had fun playing it. Uh, I don't think yeah, I played I think it again I, just because it was so long, and I think it had really good ideas in it. I thought it was thematic. Um, some of the stuff. I just, I just that that late game just made it unbearable, so mm. yeah, four point one from me. Um, which puts me last. So I I agree with a lot of things you guys said. I think the early game was um a ton of fun. You know, you, you don't know what you're gonna run into when you're exploring those fate tiles. Um, you know, a lot of times it's nothing. You're just getting another fate card. Um, I I like them. I like generally I like the mechanics in general. Garrett mentioned it. Um, that this is probably the most complex game that we played, and that was really enjoyable for me. I saw a lot of really good elements in the game. Um, you know, gathering resources, um, the uh, interactions or encounters with uh, other players was, you know, power rolls are pretty pretty common, but at least it's that, you know, it's a mechanic that you can do. And I think it should have been the meat of the game, um, having more encounters with people, but this kind of encouraged you uh, to kind of stay away for the most part, unless you felt like you're ready and then people were running from you. So, um, and then, and then the end game was just bad. Um, it just, it took too long to finish. Um, it, it was... It felt a little muddled. Uh, you know, everyone knew what you were trying to do, but the game mechanics themselves kind of kept you from doing it, um, which is a little frustrating. Um, but I, you know, I think I had I generally had fun um, in the beginning part. Um, yeah, I, I think that there were some things that they could have cleaned up, and it, if they did a V two, this game could be good. Um, and that's what's kind of frustrating. So if I had to give it a score, 
Um, I don't think it was that bad. Uh, give it like a th- like a three point eight. Okay. Three point eight. There you go. Right. So what does that like put it. our average at there, Garrett? You got the old. That uh, puts our rough draft boys average at a three point eight. The board game geek average, three point seven. Right on the money. Yeah. There you go. Well, nicely, nicely done, boys. Just, just like we practiced. Just like we practiced. Just like it was all rehearsed. Scripted. Well, as we come to a close on this episode, if you guys can't get enough uh, enough board gaming content, specifically Cardinal games, we have a special little announcement, a little treat for you guys. <laughs> we are going full Steven Spielberg slash George Lucas. We are doing a remastered version where we are taking... All of the guns in our first episode and replacing them with walkie-talkies. <laughs> what we mean by that is we are going to uh, republish our first episode next week. As as in these later episodes, you can probably see that we've, uh, at least we hope, we've gotten a little bit more of a handle on the uh, format of the show. Garrett's got a working mic now. Isn't that great? <laughs> I, I think it's great. It's I think I, I don't know. I, I thought it was fun to begin with. No, but no. You guys speaking about, speaking to the wrong like end of the microphone. Color. Nah, not not the way to go. But we're going to be publishing a better version of that for our first episode for any people who come to uh, to a podcast and they want to start at the very beginning. We're going to hopefully try and make that a little bit more bearable for you guys. But if you want to listen... You guys didn't ask for it, but we knew what you wanted. We knew it. We could read it. We could look into your souls and see exactly what you needed. And uh, now it's time to, for us to tell you what we need. If you would like to reach out and talk to us because we're ever so lonely, you can do that by hitting up our Twitter account at Rough Draft Games on Twitter. You can talk to us about Lost. You can talk to us about all this. You can explain to Garrett what happened because the guy only watched the series finale. He's got questions. I know he's got I questions. I've got a lot of questions, a lot of unanswered questions. So if you want to hit us I hear, up. I hear, I, hear, I hear that doesn't change whether or not I watch the series or not. He just has questions about the last episode. So yeah. <laughs> so that once again, that is at Rough Draft Games on Twitter. If you want to email me the synopsis, any materials you have, or if you want to go ahead and sponsor us because we're looking for sponsors, send us an email, mm-hmm. roughdraftgames at gmail.com. Yeah, specifically Wayback Machine is who we're aiming for for a sponsor. <laughs> I just think... They made this game possible. <laughs> we're we're going to go ahead and just put that in there. They're not paying us to say that, but we're, we're brought to you by the way. Back Absolutely. <laughs> we're, uh, we're already sponsored by them. And if you want some reading material while you're trying to escape the smoke monster, come on over to roughdraftgames.com and check out some of our blogs, including the thematic, um, some of the other stuff that we're working on, including All Rise, and check out the other episodes of the podcast. And lastly, it would be a crime if we did not beg you to please give us a big five stars on iTunes. It helps other people find the show. It helps us uh, with our, uh, I don't know, some algorithms that they're probably cooking up over there in Apple headquarters. <laughs> so it, matters. It, it matters. I hear it matters. So help us matter, guys. If you could just head over there and leave us a nice little review. Or if you suggest a game for us to play, we will try and get our hands on it and review oh, we'll it, play it for we'll you. Play it, oh, we will play it guaranteed. It's a, that's a Garrett guarantee. That's a Garrett one guarantee. Of the first people... Yeah, if you're the first person to recommend a game to us, I will I will 100% go get it. Please don't make it $70, because it will come out of the company account. <laughs> <laughs> well, until then, we'll see you next week. 4, 8, 15, 16. Bye.